Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. Ahoy, ladies. Ahoy! I don't know know why I've had that one particular line just stuck in my head for like the last week and a half. (laughs) It could be because of the ice cream. It could be because of the ice cream. It definitely... Ahoy, ladies! So yeah, we are... It sounds weird to say that we're back, but as far as you're all concerned, we're not back because we've been here. Yeah. But as far as we're concerned... We're back because we haven't recorded in, I don't know. Like a week and a half? Longer. Longer? Longer because you were away for a week and you've already been almost home for a week. That's true. So almost two weeks at this point, I think. Yeah. Maybe maybe about two weeks. Yeah. And that's pretty long for us. We usually do this once a week, if not twice a week. Yeah. So this is like one of the longest stretches that we've gone without recording. The last time we recorded was from, it was before the watch party. It was. was September 1st, and it is September 17th. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It has been much longer. Yeah. It's yeah. been a long time. Wow. Yeah. We we really liked it a lot, and then we took a break because Amanda went away. So we are back recording. As far as you're all concerned, though, we've already been here. So welcome to somehow our <laughs> season three wrap up. I don't know how we got here. I don't know either. And I have a note here that says, you can't make us end season three. Nobody like, has the authority except the Mind Flayer. Quite literally, yeah. So if he wants us to keep just talking about season three until we die, you just that's just what's going to happen. We can do that. We can. No, we're not going to do that. We need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so tell us about tell us about your experience. Yes. So before we got into the season three wrap up, I wanted to talk about the Stranger Things store that I visited. So if you follow us on Instagram, you will see or have seen. I should make a highlight of it. Oh, yeah, um, good idea. Yeah. Of the Stranger Things store that I visited in Las Vegas last week. It was amazing. I did not go to Las Vegas for this purpose, uh, but I just got really lucky and stumbled upon it while I was there. And it's basically like a pop-up experience. It seems like it's traveled from a bunch of different cities. It's been in Miami, Las or Las Vegas, of course, uh, New York, Chicago, a couple other places. And it doesn't have any other cities listed on their website right now, but I imagine they will keep traveling at some point. So keep an eye out for it in your city. I highly recommend it is mostly a store, but it is really cool to walk through and take pictures. It's got all these cool set pieces from the show, replicas, of course, but they do a lot of really cute stuff in there and there's really interesting merch. And I just highly recommend going if you see it pop up in your city definitely check it out. I had the best time and I was literally on vacation in Las Vegas and I went to the Stranger Things store twice. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how good it was. 
And they have Demogorgon mannequins, so you know that's, that's that's something special that you don't see really every cool. day. Yeah, I got to meet Vecna. It was very cool. Oh wow! Was there like a meet and greet? Yeah, he was just there. There was really no line. I guess people mm. weren't super interested, but he was great. People didn't want to meet him. No, <laughs> they didn't want that experience. All right, guess not. But yeah, that's my that's my plug for the the Stranger Things store. Not sponsored. Wish I was, but it was amazing. Thanks. That would be so cool if we were just sponsored by, like, all of Stranger Things. Wouldn't it? One day. One day. Well, until then, let's get into our stay Stranger strange. Things. <laughs> yeah, until then, stay strange. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Um, yeah, let's get into our season three wrap-up, even though we really don't want to wrap it up. No. All right, so this is going to be kind of a State of the Union piece here. Uh, how's yes. everybody doing? Where, where is everybody what what are we up to how are things going are we okay so let's go through each character and see where they're at so first we've got 11 how's she doing she's powerless she is she has no powers she has no dad again and she <laughs> is <laughs> why does that always make us laugh i don't know <laughs> it's because of the again yeah i think it's because of again <laughs> her dad died again <laughs> Yeah, so she's got no powers. Hopper has passed away, supposedly. And she's moving to California. She's having a rough go of it. There's a lot of change that she's undergoing right now. So that's where Eleven is. How about Will? Will is sad. Will is crying (laughs) (laughs) in the car, which he, like, does a lot. Crying in the car. Instead of the club, he cries in the car. That's true. He's moving too. He's going with his family and they're moving to California. And he said goodbye to all of his friends. Mm. And I just think he's had a kind of another rough go of it this season, except we didn't spend nearly as much time with him. He destroyed his castle. Mm, he that's had right. this whole. Yeah. So kind of honestly, about that. I know. It feels like it was decades Years ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about Will later, though. But yeah, he's he's moving too and he's changing and yeah, growing up. How about Mike? Mike is in like a weird state, I think, because he isn't moving. He's staying in Hawkins, Mm -hmm. but his girlfriend and his best friend have both just moved. And I don't think he knows what to do with that information either. It's also kind of weird to think about that, like outside of the context of the show. Like imagine your significant other is moving across the country with your best friend's family. Could like, you stop taking Nick and moving yeah. with him to California, please? <laughs> Me and my family. family are taking Nick with us. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Have fun with back. Eli. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's literally what that kind of was, though. Yeah. Like, how bizarre. It is really bizarre. So I think Mike is in Again, all these characters are in a very transition-y phase right now. Yes. For good sure. Way, good way to put it. How about Lucas? Lucas is fine. Lucas has Max still, as far as we know. I don't. Lucas is just unbothered. He really is. <laughs> like, we don't see too much of him in the last scenes of season three, besides him taunting Dustin with the never-ending story. Yeah. I think he's fine. He's, like I said, he's unbothered. He's probably not, like, thrilled that the buyers and Elle are leaving. But I just don't think he he's as emotionally invested yeah somehow i don't know i mean again maybe it has to do with his family life being Mm -hmm. as good as it is but yeah he's a little less phased it seems that way i mean we don't know for sure but that's just what it seems like yeah 
How about Dustin? Dustin's good. Girlfriend confirmed. Does True. exist. We do know this now. As far as we know, they're still going strong. Joyce hugs Dustin in the last scene of... <laughs> so cute. I know. I thought that was really cute, too. So I think Dustin is probably not quite as bothered as Mike, but not quite as unbothered as Lucas. Yeah. I think Dustin and Mike are probably the closest. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Dustin... Dustin's closest friend is probably Mike, is what I mean. You know, he loves Will, but Mike is really his person, so I don't think he's being as disrupted by this as Mike is. Yeah, and it is kind of still, like, I think back to season one when Dustin is having that very mature, we can have more than one best friend, you know, yeah. and like, or no, we can't have more than one yeah. best friend, but he was saying that, like, he can recognize that Will and Mike are close right isn't that what he was saying yeah yeah like he was or no he was saying that lucas and mike are like best friends from childhood that's I think. what it was yeah 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 and dustin moved moved in in like fifth grade or something right yeah it's, it's very mature of him all right how is our girl max doing it's eh. weird yeah. yeah what do you think i don't know she she seems like she's beginning her bottling at this point yeah you know like she seems a little unbothered like we see her you know singing along with dustin or with lucas at the end of season three but then we get that shot of her reminiscing in in billy's bedroom when you know she wouldn't have set foot in there before so i don't know i think she's bottling i think she's feeling things that she's maybe not yet recognizing herself i think if we had recorded this podcast after season three our answer to how is max right now would be very different mm-hmm. than it is with the context of season four. That's a good point. You know, like we can, we know where Max is headed because we've all watched season four. But if we'd not watched season four, we probably wouldn't feel that we know where Max is headed. No, honestly, without season four, I think I would say right now that like Max seems okay. Like she's, you know, of course, missing her brother, but she seems okay. Agreed. That, yeah. yeah. I so agree. We, we don't really see that that breakdown just yet until season four. No, it's subtle at first. And then obviously we, we know what happens in season four. So we can yeah. infer a lot yes. from the last scene that we see of Max. So uh, how's Hopper doing? Um, Hopper is dead. You sure about that? I'm positive. You sure I, about that? I am 119% positive that Hopper is dead. So was I. (laughs) (laughs) You were 120% positive. I was super positive. That is some some good stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Either way, Hopper is not good. We'll say that. No. Whatever state that he's in, unconfirmed. unconfirmed. Yes, at this point. At this point, not confirmed. We don't know if he's dead. We don't know what the state of Hopper. No, seriously. As of right now, presumably he is gone. gone let's just put it that way like that like that yeah (laughs) he's gone he's gone gone somewhere like barb (laughs) (laughs) oh she's definitely gone somewhere (laughs) yeah hop is gone okay one more time god thank you (laughs) how about erica vibin erica is living her best (laughs) life She's probably the best one on this list. She's got D&D now. She's yeah. like coming into her nerdism. Um, yeah. <laughs> her nerd identity. She's yes. I think Erica's doing quite well. She's got like sort of a I don't want to call them like a new group of friends, but she's got 
new people that she's connected with. Yeah, I agree. She seems like she's doing well. And also she got to live out kind of this like cool comic book superhero fantasy and come out unscathed. Yeah, like all of our heroes, really. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Grand scheme of things. But Erica didn't lose anything. We'll say that. That's a really good point. And I feel like we're obviously going to get to this more in the coming months. But yes. We see our characters start to actually suffer loss. Yes. And I mean, I think Mike suffered loss at the end of season one, losing 11. But we talk about later, like, how there is true loss happening now versus the superficial losses that were kind of occurring earlier on. Mm-hmm. Very true. And we know nobody actually dies on this show, so. Never. <laughs> how is Joyce doing? I don't know. What do you What do you think about Joyce? Not great. Yeah. Not great. I think I think what we see of her kind of keeping it together is her being strong for the kids. Very true. You know, I I think that when she's alone, she probably is breaking down. Yeah. And I think that you had mentioned this in the Battle of Starcourt part 2, how she is she is actually alone now. Like mm-hmm. as an adult, she doesn't have anybody else. I mean, obviously she has Murray, But even Murray doesn't have that shared experience that she and Hop have. And now she doesn't have Hop. And even so, she does have Murray, but he's physically not close. Yeah. Like, she moves to California and he's back in Chicago, so. Yeah. And she was just about to be vulnerable with Hop, so. I know. Like, this occurs and then it's like she gets punished for being vulnerable, you know? Like, I'd imagine this is kind of like a what is it like two steps forward three steps back kind of situation for her yeah where like she she put herself out there and now she's like okay not doing that again so many of our characters are punished for their vulnerability Mm -hmm. it's true a lot (laughs) and now that i'm now that we're saying this i'm thinking of in season four how vecna talks to max and talks about how weak she and her brother both are yep and like even there's so many instances of this wow. there's so many instances like mike in a weird way is sort of punished for his vulnerability yep. i feel like 11 is constantly overextending herself being vulnerable by pushing her limits with her powers and then she's punished yep and every time she also lets herself care about somebody she loses them yep and like again i mean we're gonna talk about this but hopper is punished when he ultimately let's l in and then yep. yep it's okay how about jonathan uh i don't know jonathan seems like like fine i think jonathan has sort of just been forced to be an adult his whole life mm-hmm. so to me this is just another one of those instances where he's sort of just being the adult similar to how joyce is but she actually you know by her role as a mom is the adult versus jonathan that's not his that's not his kid will's not his kid but he's strong for will regardless and obviously jonathan i would say is upset over being apart from nancy yeah he's another one where i feel like if we didn't have season four yet i would probably have a different answer yes because like at the end of season three he seems like he's being very mature about the move and he's i mean he brings this energy of like it's okay that we're gonna be long distance like we're gonna make it work what's a little more trauma blah 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 and then in season four he's like completely changed his tune yeah so yeah i would definitely have two different answers for jonathan he's a Mm -hmm. weird one facades Mm Mm-hmm. 
And same with our next character, Nancy. Nancy seemed like she needed more reassurance in the moment than Jonathan did in their scene at the end of season three. Like, she was like, can we just put you in a tent like L? And he was (laughs) like, I don't think that would work. Your dad would love, like, you know. And it almost felt like Jonathan was the one carrying the emotional burden in that Mm. conversation. I think Nancy is probably, like, feeling that a little bit more. Yeah. Because she, too, I mean, she could have she could have stayed and chosen the safe route with the person who was never going to leave Hawkins. Let's be honest. Where is Steve going? For you know, real? so and she didn't. She let herself be vulnerable and choose <laughs> Jonathan. And she again, suffers for it. She suffers for it. Maybe yeah. that's just life. Right. Are we just describing life? Are we just is it? Is this just life? (laughs) (laughs) We're like, wow, complex theme in Stranger Things, literally just life. Just like what happens in the real world. I eat pizza. I am punished for it. Okay, fair. (laughs) Uh, Steven. Yeah. How's he doing? Sneven Harrington. Um, (laughs) Sneven is good. He's got a new job. He He is working now at Family Video, presumably. He's got a new friend. Robin's his friend. I think that's great. It is. Dustin is his friend, too. I just, Sneeve seems fine. Yeah, he's doing all right. I mean, his, like, mortal enemy just died, so I, <laughs> I think he's okay. Who's his mortal enemy? Billy. <laughs> oh, well, not only that, but also, like, what do you think Steve feels about the buyers leaving Hawkins? Mm, yeah. Yeah, he might be okay with that. <laughs> yeah like he's like he doesn't have he doesn't have jonathan to deal with anymore not that he was dealing with Jonathan, but like you know what i mean right i mean and yeah billy's dead mortal enemy (laughs) but at the same time though like again we have the context of season four to see how steve reacts to the buyers being gone and he doesn't do anything he doesn't make a pass at nancy he doesn't even talk to her true it's like how long later like eight nine months have gone by and I mean, who knows yeah. what it would have been like if he hadn't graduated. That's true. If he was still in the school, it might be different. But yeah. yeah. How is our girl Robin? I think Robin is good as well. I think yeah. she also has a new job. I think she also has a new friend. Robin is a new one for season three. She wasn't here before this season. Yes. But yeah, Robin. Robin's good. She's And she's got a new crush. She does have a new crush Which that we fun. know of, right? Yeah. Yeah, Do we, we don't know, know that yet. Or, oh, no, sorry. We don't know that till season four. I keep forgetting. So confusing. <laughs> what year is it? I don't know. I think Robin is good, though, overall. Me too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how is, how's Billy? You want to talk about punishment for vulnerability? Oh. Billiam and, has been yeah. punished for his vulnerability. Yeah, we talked about his fate being almost like a cosmic punishment for sinning, in a way. Yeah. So that's interesting. You know, there is an element of vulnerability there, too. And in a sense, he almost gets punished for being vulnerable enough to break through the Mind Flayer's curse and come back to being himself. Whoa. And then he's immediately punished for that. Yes. Yes. That is a great point. Because we talked about, like, how he was more, he was just used, you know? Mm -hmm. And once his, his purpose was served, as far as the Mind Flayer was concerned... He's just, he was a disposable object. He was, all right, yeah. you're in my way now. Yeah. But he did, he broke out of that without needing to be melted or burned or... Right. Which, hmm. funny enough, 
Vecna views as weakness, but that's like an incredible strength, actually. It is. It is. Yeah. How is there still more to say? I don't I, understand. We've been talking about the show for over a year. The Battle of Starcourt has been yeah, co- like in my brain for like two straight months at Me this too. point. Me too. We've been talking about this for so long. Just that chapter alone. <laughs> even just part two of that chapter. Even just the second half of that I, chapter. It's, it's wild. Yeah. And- I could. There's still more that we could say. We're, there is more. I know. I could do a whole second episode about it. Oh my god, Billy's not okay though. Moral of the story. No, Billy's, he is. Billy's actually dead. Yeah, he's extremely dead. Very dead. Our, th- our third B has died. Third B. Who's Barb. the third? Oh, Bob mm-hmm. and Billy. Yes, and I mean, at this point, we think Brenner is also dead. If he's not dead, that man is a cockroach. <laughs> Well, I mean, at the end of season three, the audience oh. is like, oh, he's dead. Um, sure. He didn't yeah. come back this time. No. Why is Erica twice on this list? We have to double check. How's she doing? <laughs> She's the best one. Still still checking in. Okay. Still very good. <laughs> All right. How is Dr. Owens? Like just showing up. He's so late. <laughs> he's late. That's how Dr. Owens. I, I don't think of him as Dr. Owens. <laughs> I know, but he is Dr. Sam Owens. Samuel. It's his government name. Yeah, literally. Literally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I- I'd venture to guess he is busy. Yeah, and, and probably a little mad. <laughs> mad, yeah. And also being fired. Yes. He is being yes. fired right now. He is being fired as we speak. Yes. They just called him into HR. Yeah. At the Pentagon. And he's being fired by President Joe Biden right now. <laughs> right now? Right in this moment. Oh, my goodness. He's mad and fired and They waited a, a really busy. long time to fire him. <laughs> wow. It's like, how many decades have gone by? He's probably <laughs> dead. I know. Seriously. I'm pretty sure Owens would be dead by now. Oh. But who knows? Okay. How about Murray? Um... Know. I don't know either. I, again, he's just another one of those ones who just feels like things just bounce off of him. Yes, it's like it doesn't affect him at all or something. No, he's seen it all. He's like, all right, what's another one? And yeah. He just like moves on. Yeah. Funny enough, I like, I remember at the end of season three, like between season three and four, I remember like kind of thinking it was possible that maybe they captured Murray because we don't hear about him or see him oh. like after the mall. Like, even though Joyce obviously gets out and they were together, I don't know. I just, like, had a thought, like, it's kind of weird that they don't show him at all or we don't see him. And then we had that post credit scene where they were like, not the American. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. That is interesting. That adds a third not the American theory. Right. Like, the, I, I thought it was possible it could be him because we didn't know what happened to him for sure. Oh, interesting. And also, okay. in the last time we saw him, he's like, we're Americans, don't shoot. So I had that in my head. But yeah. Yeah, but with context, we know that Murray is fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's just chilling in his little house. Yeah. And he's friends with Joyce in a new way, I think. Yes, they've bonded on a new level. Yes. Vulnerability. About Murray being vulnerable with Alexi. Yep. Yep. How is our favorite swine, (laughs) Mayor Klein? I'm so sad. Why? When are are we going to talk about Klein anymore? Yeah, probably never again because he's imprisoned. 
let's just make a point to mention him in random moments in each episode for yes. the entirety of season four. Yeah, we'll find a way to bring him up. <laughs> Klein is in prison. He's corrupt. We knew yeah. this already. We did. Um, Klein is a swine, and that's just that's just what he is. That is what he is. <laughs> he's a swine. Still, he's been a swine this whole time. He has the whole time, and since, yeah, since he's... episode chapter one. Yeah, wherever he's been. Clyde's a swine. Okay. So he's in jail. And lastly, how is this MF doing? Our our love. We love him. Love him so much. I'm so mad that he's about to be dethroned. Ugh, me too. Fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Think you could just come in here and take over? Yeah, like what? Like a, some kind of five-star general or something? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck out of here, you stupid grinch looking ass <laughs> does look like the grinch this mf will always reign supreme no matter mm-hmm. what the reality is i don't care i agree i i will choose to ignore whatever reality is presented to me <laughs> all right so we've kind of taken in where all of our characters are at this moment between seasons three and four so let's talk about our themes our themes are the ones that we mentioned in our season three overview at the beginning of the season. And we're going to talk about kind of what we saw in terms of like new ideas with these themes. Were there any new themes that we discovered? Yeah, I'm, I, have a, I have an old and a brand new. Okay. Cool. So there's within the old, there's what we said initially and anything new to add to that. And then there's the new themes. Cool. So yeah, we have our old themes, some new themes that we're going to talk about and discuss how, um, you know, we saw some new things that we didn't talk about in the beginning. So our first theme, somehow, our first theme <laughs> is denial and distraction. So some of the old things that we had mentioned at the beginning of season three about this theme was uh, Joyce and the magnets and um, Hopper. So Joyce basically ignoring her feelings for Hopper to explore this whole thing with the magnets was kind of a form of distraction and denial of Joyce's own feelings for him. Mm -hmm. Will being in denial that the party has shifted, changed, and dissolved and wanting to use D&D as a distraction. Mm -hmm. Susie can be kind of considered a distraction there at the end i didn't like i don't know if i thought this i thought this more after you made her your lvp (laughs) i was like okay yeah i mean yes but i don't know if she was a purposeful distraction like i don't think she was contacted for that purpose Mm -mm. she ends up being she just served as one yeah yeah by proxy yeah for sure not not intentional just yeah by proxy and we questioned if Steve is in a little bit of denial during season three. What do we think? I think in some ways, like, I don't know if he was, I think he's in denial of his, I can't think of the word, help. <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> that he's moved on from high school, basically? That, but yeah, for sure. But also like his appeal. Oh. Like he thinks he's a lot more appealing at this point than he actually is. Because yeah. he's in that very awkward post-high school phase. I mean, by the time season four comes and it's March of 1986. He's matured quite kiss. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but season three is Steve's Herring- Steve Harrington's most awkward, I think. Yeah. Because he's still, he's trying to figure out who he is outside of this high school arena. Yeah, it's the hat. It's the hat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then a new thing we thought of in terms of denial and distraction 
was the entire carnival in the bite, including yeah. the fireworks, the, the popping of the balloon, the moment Alexia shot. This is all about distraction and denial, basically. And we have this damn <laughs> MF rumbling through the trees and Karen being like, no, honey, look at the fireworks. Like, that's just pure denial and distraction. Yeah. Again, it's not intentional. Right. It's just like this overarching. Like a commentary. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's not on purpose. Lucas's idea to use the fireworks and also hitting the balloon to distract the mind flare in yeah. the mall, that's also obviously distraction. And it's the same two items that we're using here, fireworks and balloons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of balloons. And then we're going to obviously talk more about this later, but I think we should mention Hopper here and his speech. His resistance to change and L growing up is definitely a form of denial. And it's also really similar to Will's nervousness about growing up and Will's resistance to change, too. Mm -hmm. I don't want things to change. Yeah, that's a form of denial. For sure. So another theme we had mentioned in the season three overview was secrecy and lies. So some of the old examples we mentioned were robin's big secret that's a secret it is it is it is hey robin's secret is a secret who knew <laughs> the giant russian base being under the mall that's a pretty big secret <laughs> mike and Elle's fight includes secrecy and lies mm. he's he's lying to her but also his secret that he is in love with her yeah. Which he keeps a secret for a reason unbeknownst to everybody. Because <laughs> he's dating her. <laughs> Shh, it's a secret. Like, <laughs> you have a crush on me? That's crazy. We're dating. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, I have a crush on you. Hello. So we got here. And then Karen and Billy's secret flirtation? Definitely secretive. It's very secrety. Yes. And one new thing that I thought of was like, maybe Joyce being kind of coy about her very real feelings for Hopper could be considered mm. kind of secrecy. Maybe it's her secret to herself. You know, that's probably more of a denial thing, if anything. Yeah, I would say so. Keeping yeah. secrets from yourself. Mm-hmm. People <laughs> do it. Thing? Yeah, sure. Okay, one of the big themes that we talked about at the beginning of season three was the pursuit of science versus humanity. So basically what this means is kind of like prioritizing the pursuit of research and science. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> She's okay. <laughs> At the expense of humanity. <laughs> I'm okay. She's good. I'm fine. That was great. That was actually like such great comedic timing. <laughs> Uh, all right so some of the old examples we talked about under this theme were the demand to produce a new key despite the loss of life yeah what the hell is up with that hello yeah if scientists you just watched people die and you're like 365 day yeah <laughs> <laughs> do it again you have one year like bitch your friends just died <laughs> like like disintegrated exploded they, they like vaporized before your eyes and you're like okay you got a year to fix that problem yeah one more time <laughs> one uh, more time Susie withholding planks constant kind of gives this vibe <laughs> granted she doesn't know that she is Again. actually holding humanity in her hands but awareness although you know sure. Dustin told her yeah she did not believe 
He said, I'm saving the world. I don't blame her for not believing Me him. Either. Who would believe that? Like, let's no. be real. This is kind of Alexi's whole arc. We talked mm-hmm. about how, you know, once he meets Joyce and Hop and, and Murray, his feelings kind of change once he attaches a humanity component to it. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of seemed on the fence about the whole thing anyway because mm-hmm. he watched people die. But, yeah, Alexi's whole arc basically was kind of... Uh, grappling with the pursuit of science versus humanity yeah and i feel like alexi's whole thing and also murray's whole thing and even joyce and and hoppers as well this is all about meeting the person and then your propaganda that you've been fed about those people is yeah it's like shattered like right americans aren't all this way and russian people aren't all this way and we're being fed all this and we meet somebody and we attach the humanity to it. Yes. Okay. And then Marina had a, a <laughs> new a new idea about this theme as well. Yeah. So I said this might be a stretch, but Joyce choosing to disregard her date with Hopper in Susie Do You Copy to seek out the truth of what's going on with her magnets. <laughs> kind of a little bit of like magnets. And then she goes and has this whole science science experiment with mr clark who we don't see anymore and she 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 stands hopper up and we talked a decent amount about how they were both kind of wrong in -hmm. that like hopper should not have come down at joyce as wildly as he did about her standing him up and joyce shouldn't have just not communicated at all yes they were both wrong for sure agreed yes and i also just had a thought about mr clark that we didn't mention um I don't know who Mr. Clark is. Who's that? But when we see him in season three, he's clearly not at school. And I don't know if it's a weekend. It was summer. Oh, it was summer. You're right. (laughs) I was going to say. July 4th weekend. So right. I totally forgot. I was going to say like, maybe he's not teaching anymore and that's why we don't see him. But no, never mind. They need to Mr. Feeney him. They really do. Like he needs to show up in season five so bad. He would have been such an asset to them. I don't understand. It's because, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a reason. I was just going to go off on a tangent that doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> so another theme we had was good versus evil, but in parentheses, more than usual. <laughs> the one theme this is, is what the show is about. Thanks. <laughs> but more. But more. But extra. <laughs> Yeah, extra good versus evil. (laughs) So some of our old examples we had were that we have human villains now, not just Mm. the upside down that we're fighting against. And then Billy kind of has an internal fight against the Mind Flayer's influence. So, you know, this puts Billy on the good side of this example. But then we also have the version of him like hurting Karen, but then resisting it. So he he is fighting against this evil that is within him. He is. He really is. And... I don't know if he wins. No, I don't think he does. We don't think so? I mean, in the end, I guess you could say he wins because he does come back to being himself. He tried so hard. Yeah. And And he got so far. But in the end, it just didn't matter. Didn't even matter. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. And then some of our... (laughs) All right. All right. So then uh, some of our new thoughts about this theme. So the Russians are kind of a newly introduced evil in this show granted yeah. they've, they've been sort of like this big bad wolf in the other seasons where like they're like oh because you know we wouldn't want the soviets to find yeah. out or whatever but then they do find out 
Yeah, and they've been like a this is gonna sound like a really weird comparison, but it's like when we were when we were hearing about other cities that had COVID and mm. then we had COVID. Yeah. Right? Like you were just waiting for COVID to like be in your town and it wasn't and it felt really far away in the beginning. Yeah. And then now like it's here sort of thing. Yes. That's what the Russians are like in Stranger Things. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. I get it. <laughs> they're the, they weren't. They, they were a theoretical threat. And now they're they're here, like Owen said in season two. Yes. It's true. No, I get it. And then we also have like the foil of Alexia and Grigori. They are, as we mentioned, like we had this propaganda about Russians and Americans and they are both Russian, but they're fighting yeah. against each other as the good versus evil foil. Hmm. Yes. Yes. And I like that. And I think we also see this fight within Alexei. Like, he kind of realizes he's on the quote unquote evil side. And granted, he was kidnapped, but he meets these people <laughs> and like kind of realizes the humanity that's attached to what he's doing. Oh, you, you look like you have a thought. Your eyes just well, got we really big. Because we were talking about in Battle of Starcourt Part 2 about Patty Hearst. Yeah. And you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. You see? Yeah. You see what happened there? Yeah. He gets kidnapped and then ends up complying with his uh-huh. kidnappers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Ooh. He does. <laughs> and we were talking about that in a different context. You posed me a hypothetical question about if yes. Billy was doing something at not a supernatural powers bidding but at like a person's bidding would right. he be forgivable and then that's when i mentioned patty hurst and then yes. now we're talking about alexi stockholm syndrome just kind of going <laughs> along with your captor okay that's crazy that is wow but i mean i guess it's like a little different because like he goes along with his quote-unquote captors but it ends up like saving the world so yeah. it's you know net good but sure. that's wild that is it's weird wow what a great point. Okay. Another theme we had was womanhood in all caps. And I ah! love that because at the time that I wrote that theme, I knew nothing about the Barbie movie. And oh, wow. This was before the Barbie movie came it out was, that we did our overview. Yes. I knew nothing about it. And now I've seen it. And of course, you know, if, if you're out there and you identify as a woman, I'm sure this changed you in, yeah. a, in a way that you cannot explain. <laughs> So I'm I'm excited to talk about womanhood again. Yeah. With my new knowledge of womanhood. <laughs> so some of our old points for the theme of womanhood were Nancy's struggle to be taken seriously, of course. So this is a really major theme we see with Nancy. She is just struggling hard at the beginning to be taken seriously. And eventually towards the end, she does kind of achieve that. But she wants to be taken seriously as a career woman. And by Jonathan. Yes. It was beyond the scope of Bruce and Tom and all those dummies. Yeah. It was Jonathan, too. Yeah. And I think she does eventually get there with him. Yes, she does. Karen's struggle with her sexuality and womanhood versus her obligation to her family. Yeah. That one's so big. It is. It's a really big one. We don't. I feel like we don't know enough about Karen to like really dive into it as much as we could, but very interesting. And we know, based on what she said in her conversation with Nancy, that she alluded to giving up something to start a family. Remember? Yes. Yes, so. she did. And then we have Eleven's newfound freedom and identity, which is, of course, very much tied to her coming into her own womanhood. 
Max and Eleven's female friendship. Yeah. Wonder which, Woman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Wonder Woman. So cute. Some new themes we thought of. I would say def- definitely like a general loss of innocence, even though we do talk about that later here due to trauma. But I think especially our women. Like Elle endures a specific type of trauma. Max endures a specific type of trauma. Mm. Robin endures a different kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. But it, it still counts, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, she also does get uh, literally physically tortured. Uh, yeah. There's that too. True. Yeah. So our, our women do experience a, a very specific Agreed. trauma. Separation and unification is another theme we had. Some of our old points for that was that the party is definitely splitting and growing apart, but at the same time, new connections are being made. Yeah. Joyce and Hopper are separating from the kids and teens, but kind of coming together themselves. And then we have the separation of Hopper and Eleven, and then her joining the Byers family. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about the one too many, because <laughs> we didn't speak Latin at this time. Nature of the flayed. We're idiots. Is definitely a unification. And uh, yeah. Well, and also it's literally, it's literally what it's called. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> one more time for the people. E pluribus unum. I did it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't speak Latin yet when we wrote this earlier, so we're saying it now. We are done. We didn't yeah. know that that's literally what that means. Yeah, literally what it means. It's like, actually. And then Murray and Alexi, Murray's intentness on being separate from society, but he doesn't really get to do that in this season. No, because we live in one. Yes, we do live in a society. Um, I accidentally wrote the buyers moving away under new points, but we just talked about that. We did. (laughs) But specifically Nancy and Jonathan physically splitting apart. Yeah. And also the buyers moving away is a separation of them from everyone else, too. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of splitting up, next theme, abandonment. So we talked about this, seeing it very literally in downtown Hawkins and Brimborn Mm. Steelworks. Both locations are literally abandoned and focal points of the season. Yeah. We forgot about that. Yeah. We did. Dustin feels abandoned, as does Will. Definitely Hopper's issues with Elle and Mike are rooted in a fear of abandonment or loss, of course, because of his daughter. And then Karen almost abandoned her family to be with Billy. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty wild. Huh. Huh. Hmm. Huh. Huh. Okay. Hmm. Let's let's just jump to what we're hawing about in the, the new point. Marina just wrote this while I was saying the first part. Billy was abandoned by his mother. Billy was abandoned by his mother, and then a mother almost abandoned her family to be with Billy. So I can see why this was important for him. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> that, that, wow. Okay. Interesting. We'll get more into this when we get to Freud. <laughs> oh, there's more. Hold on. I don't know if I would say that. What? I was going to say Eleven is abandoned, not purposely by yeah. Hop, but just generally she is abandoned. Yeah, she becomes abandoned, you know, yeah. by accident, sort of. The word is starting to sound fake. It is. Our next theme was communication and miscommunication. So some of the old points we had were that obviously we have Hopper's inability to express himself pretty much through this whole season until literally after he dies. Yep. <laughs> Dustin struggled to reach Susie all season. Susie mm-hmm. never copies. Until she does. <laughs> Until she does. And then destroys the world. I don't know. I, I said viewing Gregory as kind of like a messenger of sorts. Mm-hmm. Of, of sorts, he's like 
bringing the message of his higher ups to <laughs> hop in a very singing the song of his people punchable way yeah he's, he's I like agree. A, a singing telegram yeah <laughs> Uh, Jonathan and Nessie are literally working as journalists, communication, but they struggle with communication as a couple. Yep. It's very interesting. Dustin's failure to reach the rest of the party throughout the season is... Griswold cop family, do you copy? <laughs> Mike and Elle and Lucas and Max are both speaking very different relationship languages. Yep. And Billy is kind of a messenger for Vecna. I don't remember why we said that. Because of his speech at the end of E Pluribus Unum. Oh, that's right. That's right. Boo is right. <laughs> <laughs> and then for new points, somehow we didn't talk about this, um, <laughs> but the language barrier between Alexi with Joyce and Hop and using Murray as a translator. I think we talked about that in the context of unlocking and decoding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we did. That's right. But I think that's more of a communication thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then our last old theme that we had here was power. And th this is kind of mentioned in a bunch of different ways. So Elle loses her power, and there's a whole debate surrounding how she can use her powers. Mm -hmm. Will has a new power of, like, Fladar, kind of. Uh -huh. Tingles. Yes, when your neck tingles, even though the Mind Flayer is literally on the clear roof on top of you. So helpful. There's Thank you so 30 much. There's a 30% chance yeah. that it's already raining. Literally. That's Will's power. Thanks so much for that, Will. Karen. Uh, Mayor Klein's abuse of power. Hmm. Yeah. The power dynamics between women and men are kind of explored in this season as well, just in general. Yeah. Russian or Russia as a foreign power. And the need for an extreme amount of electrical power to open a new gate. Power That's, is a big one. It's power. Power. We, we didn't have any new points on that one. I think we covered it all. I think so, too. And probably not, but I mean, Probably whatever. not. <laughs> Fine. We can only think of so many things. <laughs> okay. All right. So then we're going to get into a couple of brand new themes that we have. So let's talk about them. Somehow we're still coming up with shit. I don't know. It's I don't know crazy. How we're doing it. So first one that we didn't really talk about in the beginning was, like we mentioned before, unlocking and decoding. So there's pretty major themes of unlocking and decoding stuff here, such as Planck's constant is kind of like a code. Mm -hmm. The Russian code, of course, mm -hmm. is the most clear example of that. The need of of keys to shut down keys. Lots of keys. <laughs> the We're, need of keys to shut, shut down, down keys. keys. So many keys. <laughs> and yeah, there's there's a, it's a lot of keys. Keys and holes. Um, uh, what? What's that? They mean? call the laser a key, right? And what do uh -huh. keys unlock? Doors or gates. Doors. And we need to do what with the door? Lock. Keep it open door. three inches. I mean, keep, I mean, keep it open. <laughs> keys yep what she said <laughs> anyway we're so on the same page like my brain just makes connections that don't exist it needs to stop it's so it's too much i already have taylor swift like this is too much on my brain i'm not meant to use this much <laughs> okay we put perception but neither of us remembers why so we're gonna skip it <laughs> We put smiley faces. <laughs> That's all we Also, put. somehow, partway through this, we determined that keys were not a theme, but a symbol. Correct. We forgot the word for symbol. <laughs> yes, we did. 
<laughs> we now remembered it. I don't know if we reported back to you all on that memory. I don't know. I don't know either, but here we are. So Freud comes up quite a lot. Freud is major. Yeah. A lot of Freudian themes in this season. So Sigmund. obviously, yes, Sigmund himself. <laughs> We're on a first name basis. That's how much he comes up. <laughs> so obviously we've spoken ad nauseum on how Freudian the whole Karen and Billy situation is. But let's talk a little more about it because we just realized this whole mother abandoning Billy thing. And then mm. Karen almost abandons her family as a mother for Billy. Wow. I mean, chef's what, kiss. What even is that? That is that I don't know what that is. <laughs> that is. It just is. I'm not a therapist, so I can't tell you what that is. But Me it's neither. something. But, but Murray can. That's true. Murray probably I could see him having like a, a degree in psychology and of some sort. Yeah. It's speaking of him, his psychoanalytic tendencies are very <laughs> Freudian as well. He's very knowledgeable about these things and he's usually right. Yeah, he's all about the Freudian psychology, you can tell. Even Hopper calls him Freud. He does. Which, by the way, people, we've talked about Freud a lot on this podcast, but I would just like to mention that I am aware that Freud has been quite debunked over the years. Um, Yeah, that doesn't mean he didn't say what he said, though. No, yeah, he said said a lot of things, but I'm just saying that I personally don't believe a lot of the things that he has said, as do many professionals in the field. So keep that in mind. But there's definitely Freudian themes here. Yeah. I like that we put this as a theme because it's a direct quote from the show. Ugly decadence. Yeah. I thought this was important. Mostly because I didn't realize it at first, but like we obviously get the whole fun fair and Murray speaks about ugly decadence and Mm -hmm. fatty food and carnival and all of that stuff. But then we also, I don't remember, what is it? The case of the missing lifeguard. We get that whole scene inside the Holloway house and it's so decked out in all of the asian style furniture Mm. and it really is like just this american or western fetishization of the east and i learned a lot about that in undergrad i don't know why it was a particular play that i read that's why but it was about how western cultures tend to romanticize or fetishize the eastern culture so like japan and china and thailand Mm. and use their aesthetic as like just pure decoration without understanding the cultural relevance of it all yeah so really like the holloways have no business no having their household decked out with all of that furniture so that is very ugly decadence to me and then obviously i think this was a this was just kind of woven throughout but on a more subtle basis just how corrupt american politics can be i mean how corrupt all politics can be But I do think that we got a particular glimpse into American politics on Mm -hmm. such a small scale, too. Like, you're just a mayor that doesn't even scratch the surface (laughs) of, like, what it really is. And when I do think we contextualize when this season came out and what was happening in American politics in 2019, it just doesn't feel like it's by accident. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, especially because, like, obviously Hawkins didn't have a mayor until, like, 1985 so apparently they were just like let's mayorize the town they didn't have to do that and they let's did mayorize the town. so some some ugly decadence love that ugly decadence all right and we talked about this a little bit earlier um but vulnerability is something mm-hmm. we didn't super mention so 
a couple different characters show this. We have Robin. Of course, she comes out to Steve, which is very, very vulnerable. We have Mike. He has a huge struggle with being vulnerable with his feelings for Elle. Hopper deals with vulnerability too. He struggles to be vulnerable for his feelings with Elle also. (laughs) But in his speech, he also mentions leaving Egos out in the woods for Elle, which in itself was an act of vulnerability. And now he's feeling, you know, the pain of putting himself out there. It was rewarding at first. He took the risk. But now Elle is moving on and the pain hits. Yeah. And again, you know, being punished for being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Murray, I, I think, like we said earlier, him allowing Alexi in as a friend was definitely an act of vulnerability, which he gets punished for. Yeah. And then William. Uh, he is definitely coming to terms with what his relationship to Mike is and and everybody else. And I think he struggles to be vulnerable with even himself because I think he is coming to terms with perhaps his sexuality and that he is not in the same place as all of his peers in many different ways. Everybody, like even Nancy yeah. putting herself out there at work and proposing the, the article and taking that risk of pursuing the... Re- like, that's all vulnerability. All yeah. of it. Yeah, it is. And then finally, I mentioned this a little earlier, but um, innocence and loss thereof. So this was definitely a theme in, in season one, I think we talked I about this. I think it was season one. Yeah. The consistent introduction of like youthful or fun objects and then for them to be destroyed or used for a dark purpose is is often shown as kind of a symbol of this. So we have the fireworks that are used to distract us from the mind flare and then harm the mind flare. Balloons, which again are used to distract. A mall full of ugly decadence, which we didn't mention. Mm. <laughs> yeah. A swimming pool used in season one in, in two different ways in a non-innocent way. Season one and season three both use a pool. That's right. And in season one, we see a pool twice because Barb gets killed in the pool. And in season four... Nancy's in the pool. Nancy's in the pool in her Vecna vision. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, part of part of the ugly decadence. But also we see Billy carrying Elle through Scoops Ahoy and it's all dark and spooky. Ooh. We have Will clinging to his innocence, but then he literally destroys Castle Byers. So there's a very literal symbol of the destruction mm-hmm. of innocence. Mm-hmm. Mike adamantly telling him that they are not kids anymore. Him saying, you know, what did you think? We were going to just hang out in my basement and play D&D forever. And Will saying, yeah. I kind of did. Yeah, yeah, I might have, or whatever he said. Did he say I kind of <laughs> did? Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I think he does say that. Alexi finding some innocence in, you know, befriending these people. He's watching the cartoons at Murray's yeah. house, and then he's playing the games at the carnival. I just True. think, like, there was this whole revisiting childhood type of thing going on with him. And you have to wonder, too, I mean, he seems pretty young. Like, he does seem fairly young. Maybe early 30s, maybe? Yeah. And, like, how long has he been in this field? Like, has he gotten to experience childhood whimsy? Like, ever? I don't know about that culturally, either. Right, me either. So, I don't know. But that's, Childhood whimsy. Yeah. Just being whimsical. (laughs) And then the kids becoming teens and exploring romantically. That's a little bit of a loss of innocence, in a way. But, yeah, they're just growing up. And then the trauma endured in the season overall is just very amped up. People die. Like, for real. Like, really die. Yeah. 
yeah so that's our new themes that we didn't get to i'm sure we'll think of some other things somehow before we finish this but <laughs> now i'm gonna turn it over to marina who is gonna revisit hop's speech so hope you're ready to cry all right i wanted to revisit hop's speech because i feel like in the battle of Starcourt part two we were talking for so long and this is just not something that i want us to gloss over so what i did is i split this sort of into two parts and i took the scenes that we're actually seeing as hop is speaking and then I have his actual words that he is saying. Okay. So let's start with the scenes that we're seeing. So we see at one part, we see Mike watching the buyers drive away. And we sort of, I think we just like kind of see the light leave his eyes a little yeah. bit. Like all of Max, Dustin and Lucas leave, right? And Mike is just kind of left standing out front of the buyer's house. Mm -hmm. And I think this is him not being able to have L and Will at the same time yeah which we talked about a decent amount during our malevin episode just as he sort of gets them both again right he's back with l his relationship with will might be at a little bit of a better place now they're both fucking leaving again mm -hmm. it's like goodbye he can have one or neither but never both poor mike poor mike we also talked about this but i wanted to revisit it hop saying i miss playing board games every night Mm -hmm. And we see his destroyed cabin with boxes of board games covered with dust. And then as he says, making triple decker ego extravaganzas at sunrise, we get this very specific shot of the sun streaming into the cabin through the hole that the mind flare made in the ceiling. And I do think this kind of goes back a little bit to that loss of innocence idea and those objects turned dark like we get the board games right which is just a fun object in general mm -hmm. but then it's in a destroyed cabin underneath debris and it's just covered and it's just again it's that like yeah. light-hearted object turned into this sad dark creepy thing yeah yuck one thing i did kind of notice though is that his whole speech seems like it is about this like duality thing so at one point He's like, life is hard, life is sad, but sometimes it's surprising. Like, it's just like this, it's all, it's like all these many things, but it's also everything else and things yeah. can exist. Two things can exist at the same time is what I'm saying. Yes, which is interesting when, you know, you started out talking about how Mike can never have Will and Eleven mm. at the same time. Mm hmm. Very true. Yeah. And like I said, like the cabin's destroyed, but the light is streaming in. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure there's the one scene where... He's talking about like them moving and Elle is, she actually is like smiling, sitting in the passenger seat of the U-Haul. She is. She has a little smile. I think she feels a little hopeful. I think that letter inspired her, honestly. Yeah, I agree. And it should. Yeah. We see the buyers driving away with Elle and Joyce in the U-Haul truck and the kids bike away as Hopper is saying, but I know you're getting older, growing, changing, and we see Mike linger, and it just reminds me of Mike and Will sitting outside of the Wheeler's house at the beginning of the vanishing of Will Byers, mm. and now Mike is alone outside of Will's empty house, and you can also see where the siding was repaired from when Joyce put a hole in the side of her house and it's just weird to see mike alone with that and then you think of the vanishing of will byers and they're both just sitting outside of his house yeah and mike's alone now and it's just it sucks i don't like it i like seeing jonathan and will in the front of jonathan's car and jonathan just like glances over at will i saw a weird i will get into it but i saw a theory about this 
Okay. Um, and it reminds me of Will crying in the back seat of season four. Of and course. Jonathan looking in the mirror at him. Did you yes. write that line? You I did. That. Yeah. <laughs> we get our much needed Karen and Mike moment of the season when they hug. She's like cutting apples or something <laughs> and drinking wine. And then Mike walks in and you could just see Karen mom him she always does that she stops whatever she's doing if Mm. she sees her kids in distress yeah she does what else we talked about this a little bit we get the light shining on Elle's face as she sits in the passenger seat this is when she kind of smirks and then we get that interesting choice of max alone in billy's bedroom with the light shining in on her face too Mm. and then one of my favorite parts of the speech from the visual perspective is Dustin and Lucas giving Erica D&D mm-hmm. as Hop is saying, keep on growing up, kid. And that's also when he says sometimes it's surprising. Like yeah. we wouldn't expect them to give her D&D. Yeah. And they do. It's surprising and it's happy. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the words that he's actually saying apart from the visuals. He starts the speech with three words, so comfort, trust, and openness, and I feel like these are actually pretty prominent concepts in season three. I didn't want to add them to themes, because that would just be pure madness, Yeah, (laughs) but I think we could all think about it long and hard enough, like, what those three words mean in the context of the season. Yeah. And also, just this idea of sharing feelings, that's a vulnerability, and we see Mike struggle with this, and I think... It makes me think that Mike probably could have really used here Hop actually tell them this. Like if he'd followed through in yeah. Susie, do you copy and actually talk to them? I wonder how Mike would have reacted to it. Yeah, I don't know if in the beginning they were ready to hear this. That's an interesting point about growth. Yeah, I feel like Mike and Mike might have laughed it off and convinced Elle to laugh it off. Like they I don't know if they would have taken it seriously. Hmm interesting about Mm -hmm. timing he says he was stuck in one place which is another really common concept i think of will stuck in the upside down in season one and then how hopper himself is stuck in russia in season four isn't that what the note translates Mm -hmm. to yeah it literally says hopper is stuck and i can make him unstuck yeah or yeah that's what enzo says yeah yeah and also just in general like the feeling of being stuck like it's just a debilitating feeling and i feel like all of our characters deal with this yes we're going to talk more about caves in a little (laughs) bit but i just wanted to touch on them here because hopper references caves twice in his speech first when he's talking about himself before l came into his life and then again when he tells l that the hurt is good it means she's out of that cave which i think this is a really good metaphor for depression in general Mm -hmm. a deep dark cave and then, like I said, we will we will talk more about caves mm-hmm. <laughs> in Amanda's Amanda's wrap up thoughts. But yes. yeah, caves are mentioned twice. Very specific word. I also love that he makes a point to say that he started to feel happy again for the first time in a long time when L came into his life. And this is exactly what L said to Billy too when he comes out of his mind flare fugue state and she's like and you you were happy and it's just it's the same it's the same idea and it's the same person pulling that out of somebody true and then we talked about growth just like very briefly a minute ago like how mike and l would have reacted to this speech at the beginning of season three versus them hearing it now at the end of season three and i think the same can kind of be said for hopper because if we think of his attitude at the start of the season 
being just like a response to these emotions and him not knowing where to put them and mm. he didn't know how to express them he's feeling distant from l like she's pulling away from him and he just wants to hang on tighter and he wants to resist the change with with her growing up and then we even see the visual of will crying in the front of jonathan's car as hopper is saying i don't want things to change and just as i was writing this it made me think of ways that vecna could torment hopper oh god Oh, no. I don't know why I thought of that, but he's got so much shit. God, he's going to wake up in a hospital room with a child, isn't he? Please stop. Ugh. Ugh, that's awful. I think that they really need to capitalize on some of this stuff in season Mm -hmm. five. Mm Mm-hmm. It's going to get ugly. They need, but if they don't do it, it's a missed opportunity. I think so, too. I mean, they've been amping it up every season, so. Yeah. But, like, there's so much trauma that Vecna could use against these characters that weren't available, like Will and Hopper. I know. And I, Joyce. I know. I was going to say, I, I, I'm kind of curious to see if we're going to venture into Joyce's past a little bit, because we don't know anything about... I wonder if that's why we need the play, the because we're... shadow. Because we're going to learn about their trauma, which will then be used in Ooh. season five. Very interesting. Okay. All right. And yep. then, last but not least, I just want to say, the speech is just amazing. Yeah. And I feel like it captures, like, life's essence. And I think if you're ever, like, feeling like shit, you should just listen to this speech. Yeah. It really does inspire a bit. Yeah. And it's just right. true. It's just true. Life is sad and it sucks, but it's also surprising and sometimes it's happy. Yeah. And it's changing and it's moving. Yeah. I'm going to have this whole speech tattooed on my back. For real. It's just like the whole entire thing. <laughs> the whole speech. Yeah. And it also makes a great point that if you don't stick it out through the crappy stuff, then you'll never make it to the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Like balloons and ice cream. Like, yes. And malls. And malls and, and pools. <laughs> all those fun fireworks. things. Fireworks. Fireworks. <laughs> Board games. Yeah. And triple-decker Eggos extravaganzas at sunrises. <laughs> Which you have in your freezer right now. I do have that flavor of ice creams. Yes. Okay. We're going to move on. Thank you for letting me ramble about Hop's letter. We're going to move on to theories. And this is my favorite part of our wrap-ups because we go back and we try to scope out articles that came out between seasons to see what people thought was going to happen in the upcoming season. So these articles would be post season three before season four. What did people think? Okay. And I try to find them from like immediately following season three. And then as we get closer and we get those trailers and building up to season four, what were people thinking was going to happen? So the first article that I found is from Buzzfeed and it was published on July 8th, 2019. So four actual days (laughs) after season three drops, people were already reeling. Number one, Hopper is alive. Whoa. Evidence at the time was actually the use of heroes at the end of the battle of Starcourt. Because the last time we heard the song used was, as we mentioned, at the end of Holly Jolly, when Will is presumably found dead, but then he's not. Yeah. So yeah, same concept, right? We're using the song. There's a character who's supposedly dead, but he's not. BuzzFeed is smarter than I was. (laughs) (laughs) BuzzFeed is smarter than all of us. They know all. They know all. Um, And then obviously another piece of, a big piece of evidence was the 
not the American line from the credit scene. Mm-hmm. A side theory was that Hop was not only alive, but that he was in Russia. So people were just really, really figuring this out. Four days after the season aired. <laughs> to be fair, there was no subtlety whatsoever. No, not really. Looking back, no, there was not. Not one subtle. No. An alternative to this theory, though, which I actually love, was that Brenner was actually the American. Hmm. Yeah. And not Hopper. People thought that that was Marty B. I would have loved that. That would have been so cool. Right. Um, And confirmation that that Papa was alive came in season two when Collie and Elle are torturing Ray Carroll. And so many fans thought that Brenner left the U.S., and was working with the Russians either by choice or force. Which is funny because, again, I never took that as confirmation in season two. I just thought Ray Carroll was trying to save his own skin. Yeah. Like, I never was like, oh, okay, that's, yep, he's alive. Like, I just thought he was lying. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but I always wondered if the American was Murray. Because we never see what happens to him yeah. after Don't Shoot. But, obviously, it's not him. It's not. It's not. Confirmed. Yes. It's also not Brenner. Confirmed. No, it's not. <laughs> but I love that idea that it could have been Brenner. Yeah. The Demogorgon, another theory that was circulating. The Demogorgon that we see at the end of season three is the same one from the end of season one or from season one in general. Mm. No. 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 Boo. That one got dusted. That one vaporized itself. Yeah. I struggle with this one because that one clearly turned into dust. But... As we were going through this, I did think of a different question, and Amanda and I went back and forth a little bit about it, and we just simply do not have the time to do this right now. But I'm going to put the question into the universe for you all to ponder. How did the Russians acquire a Demogorgon? I said, okay, so maybe they extracted it in the Starcourt base and put it in that cage that we see. But then Marina begged the very important question, okay, how did they get the cage to Russia? Yeah, because they make the point to say... Erica and Dustin, uh, that cage is pretty big. Yeah. Right? As if they were going to encage a Demogorgon. Sure. So I think that that part is probably correct. But then how did they get that? Like, on a boat? Hanging off of a helicopter? Okay, but how did the boat, how did they get it to the boat? Oh, yeah, they're in Indiana. Indiana. (laughs) They have to cross landmass. Do they have, like... Uh, I guess a a plane, right? They could have stuck it on like a private plane somehow. Okay, but we talked about a Russian aircraft in American airspace in 1985. No shot. That Chinese spy balloon stood no (laughs) chance. You think that a Russian aircraft in our airspace would just be like, oh, hey. During the Cold War, I might mention. In 1985. No, no shot. Yeah, it's a mystery. I'm imagining that or like cattle cars. Like, you know, those, like, vehicles that just have cows in the back. It's just and Demogorgons You know instead. what they did? They they crossed the Bering Strait, the longest land bridge between oh. Alaska and Russia. Okay. Is there even a wait, road there? Wait, wait, pause. Yes, that's exactly how they did it. Because they travel to Alaska in order to go to Russia. And they meet with Yuri, who is obviously connected with the Russians. So they traveled up to Alaska somehow in a car, in a truck, I don't know, and then took a plane from Yuri. You're telling me. (laughs) With a Demogorgon. (laughs) That they drove a Demogorgon (laughs) from Hawkins, Indiana to 
the strait that is between Alaska and Russia. Correct. How many miles is that? Somebody do the math. Hold on. I can Google it right now. In what kind of vehicle did they transport, an, unless it wasn't full grown yet? An 18-wheeler. A tractor trailer transported a Demogorgon. A Russian tractor trailer <laughs> transported a Demogorgon. <laughs> Amanda's doing math. Hold on. I did Springfield, Indiana. Okay. And then we're going to go to the Bering Strait. Oh, my goodness. Is Bering a- Strait, Alaska. Is there a road? Or are we in the Alaskan wilderness at that point? I don't know. And you're telling me Yuri put that thing? Again, I have to go back to the visual of a Demogorgon (laughs) dangling from like a helicopter, like blowing in the wind. Okay, wait. I'm gonna gonna find a a town that's like right there because the Bering Strait is um, It doesn't have an address. Yeah, it's it's water, so... (laughs) To Wales, Alaska. Sorry, we could not calculate driving directions. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, no, no. And, like, they were, like, using a map back then? Yeah. (laughs) You know, map quest. No map quest in 1984. Uh, They had those those foldy maps, and they had somebody in the passenger seat directing the driver (laughs) where to bring the demo. But also, like, you're telling me they made a straight drive. Like, nobody stopped. To pee. For snacks to pee with a demogorgon as cargo. Nope, no. Okay, what if they put him in that like sleepy state, like the demodogs? Oh, they tranquilized him. Okay, yeah, or, or tra- they, or they like put him in. Um, you know, they suspended him in goo to make him. I don't know. Whatever they did to the demodogs, like Walt Disney. No, like you know how there's the demodogs floating in like the cryogenic chambers like Walt or whatever. Disney. Sure, yeah. Okay. His head isn't yeah. he like cryogenically frozen? I mean, no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. We've said a lot of things. Questions Whatever. are unanswered. Another theory from BuzzFeed from yeah. 2019 was Dr. Owens is working for the Russians. All right. Uh, essentially, people were like, well, what was he doing all season? Which is like a great question. But also, he's definitely not working for the Russians. I do think, though, at this point, remember, we didn't know how to feel about Owens yet. Even yeah. now, we didn't know. Yeah, we still weren't, still were not totally sure. Exactly. So people were like, was or is Sam Owens a double agent? It's like a Snape of sorts. Okay. Um, another theory was that Billy is alive and in the Upside Down. Don't know how he got there, but that was the theory. <laughs> and I just wanted to read a quote from this article because it was chaotic and beautiful. But... As with Hopper, could there be a link between the Upside Down, the Mind Flayer, and true death? (laughs) Is Billy in the Upside Down? Could he also be in Russia? Could he still be inside the Mind Flayer? Is it still alive? What is going on? Spitballing. (laughs) You're just asking so many questions. (laughs) I just love that. Yeah. Somebody was really into that theory, and I don't know what it means to be inside the Mind Flayer. I didn't know that Billy and the Mind Flayer had that kind of relationship, but... Yikes. I, I just added, like, I feel like we discovered this was not true about Billy, so I feel like it means that the whole Eddie Cass theory is not true either. Okay, but no, <laughs> that's different because Eddie was actually in the Upside Down. That's true. He was Billy in the Upside was, Down when he died. Yeah, Billy was not in the Upside Down. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. So, I don't know. And then last from BuzzFeed, in 2019, okay, we are heading toward time travel. There you have it, folks. 
people were getting this vibe already very early and it was largely due to the incorporation of back to the future in season three yes turn back the clock now i'm just going to take us through a little bit of a a little trailer run through here i want us all to remember we got the from russia with love teaser on february 14th 2020 and that showed that hopper was alive confirmed it was a 50 second teaser and that was two years before the season aired that everybody knew that hopper was alive (laughs) and it's it's interesting because that that trailer aired Mm-hmm. before covid happened yeah and like so a month. I, I imagine that they thought they were going to be releasing this much sooner than two years after that in our season four overview i did a timeline of the in-between oh of great season because there's it's like it's very involved there was another teaser released a year later on may 6th 2021 yes a year later it was only a minute and nine seconds long and it was called 11 are you listening and this one showed the events in the lab leading up to the massacre we saw the magic eight ball and all that Mm -hmm. and this was also a callback to our super powered kitties so these were confirmed and brenner is confirmed alive in this trailer well sort of because we realize it's the past no we see him in it yeah but isn't it oh yeah i guess so it's in the past yeah 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 i see what you're saying I didn't even write confirmed alive. I just say we see Brenner. So I'm like <laughs> making shit up here. So the next article that I found now with that context is from May 17th, 2021. So at this point, we know Hopper's alive and we've seen Brenner and the kids from Hawkins Lab. And this article was from NetflixLife.com, which is my favorite website. Of course. This one I thought was really intriguing. And we'll obviously talk about this in our season four overview. But people were suspecting that Chernobyl would impact season four because that disaster took place in the in the then ukrainian ssr in 1986 mm-hmm. it happened on april 6th or 26th i think i think 26th 1986 so it was like only a month after the actual events of season four kind of wild there was talk on reddit about using chernobyl as the cover-up for a battle in russia mm. nuclear reactor or telekinetic battle was Whoa. essentially the theory yeah that's pretty cool yeah yeah you have a thing yeah i just i also thought that was interesting too because i'm pretty sure there's a running theory like since season one that the upside down is actually an alternate reality in which the u.s lost the cold war and like it's hawkins but a nuclear bomb went off which wouldn't make that war very cold anymore would it no yeah so i don't know thought that was interesting I like that. This next one I found was pretty eerie. It essentially posited that the collective trauma Mm. of the Hawkins National Lab kids created the upside down in a time-space breach. I love that. Same. And obviously this isn't what happened that we know of, but people were suspecting that trauma would have something to do with season four a year before it came out and then it ended up being a major theme in season four yeah i do feel like the show did a pretty good job of telegraphing that very early because Mm. we find out in season one that the way that l opened the gate was trauma like her her scream and and you know like the impact of what she had to do and her fear is what caused that rift so i think I think that was kind of in our heads for a while. And also Kali from season two using trauma Mm -hmm. and like mentoring Elle how to keep using her trauma. Yeah. And then another point for time travel. And I think by this point we were already getting 
if not clock imagery, the sound of the ticking grandfather clock. Mm-hmm. Our last article is from March 22nd, 2022. So the season four trailer was already released. Not the volume one trailer, just the season four trailer in general. Okay. And several facts were already confirmed that we know. So this is an article from Inverse. Again, a time jump is a possibility. Now, people thought that this was an actual time jump because by this point we knew that season four would be split. Yeah, not a bad theory. Yeah, people thought that there would be a time jump between volumes one and two of season four. Again, Brenner has to be alive and this was in large part suspected because of the names of the chapters Mm. so we knew at this point that chapter eight was called papa so people were were really putting on their thinking caps for that one and just as an aside (laughs) this very high quality article that i found listed the names of the season four chapters and they mistyped the nina project as the tina project my favorite chapter of season four was the tina project the tina project yes hopper and l will reunite when l is taken by the quote men in the van people didn't know what that scene meant because that was shown in the trailer of l in the back of the van yeah um we didn't understand yet that l was basically <laughs> under arrest uh, for physical assault and being taken to a juvenile detention center because why would we have thought that <laughs> Yeah. People thought that these shady men would be taking her to wherever Hopper was also being held. Oh. Yeah. And then finally, we get this. Our superpowered children will return. People thought that the superpowered kids would return to help Eleven pick up the slack of dealing with so many different threats. And she didn't have her power, so she needed some assistance. That would have been really nice had they been able to do that. Yeah. Well quite the opposite actually no. like quite the actual opposite. literally the opposite <laughs> like not only are they all dead but they're also working against her yeah. the ones that are alive right <laughs> and then my personal favorite from this from this particular article was just this question what is creel house <laughs> what is that's how it was worded what is creel house <laughs> Yeah. So here's a quote. The teaser also features Steve, Dustin, Lucas, and Max breaking into an abandoned Creel house in the 1980s. Since everyone was present at the end of season three when the rift was seemingly closed, perhaps their investigation into Creel house is because Nancy and Jonathan found something worth writing about again. Which, Mm. like, kind of happens. Not that she finds, you know, journalistic instinct. Not a bad um, theory. I like it. Yep. And Victor Creel could be a new source of information for the budding journalists who hope to seal off the upside down for good. Again, not not totally far off. Not far off at all. And lastly, I scoured Reddit, which I always regret doing, and I regretted it, but I did it anyway. <laughs> and I found some of the most upvoted theories for season four. So on July 14th, 2019, Reddit user Hang the TJ said... What if Eleven has to track down Brenner next season to get her powers back to save Hopper? Wow. Impressive. Not so much the last part, but yeah. track down Brenner to get her powers back. July 14th, 2019. Ten, Ten days. days after Ten days. season three aired. Wild. Somebody give this person a trophy. February 7th, 2021. Reddit user Y.S. Veth, I don't even know how to say the name, 87, said... I feel like in season four of Stranger Things, there will be a breakdown in the Byers brothers relationship. Okay. Which, like, 
kind of did happen teeny bit yeah a teeny bit will was like you're fucking high all the time like hello right yeah, that's fair and then lastly november 21st 2021 reddit user warrior links said will l become carrie in season four <laughs> And this was deduced from the Welcome to California teaser that was released on November 7th, 2021, showing Elle attending school in California and being bullied. I personally would have loved if she became Carrie. I mean, she sort of did. That's why I'm saying she did. Yeah. She really did. She I got mean, something done. Blood. Dumped on her. Yeah. Yeah. Like Angela ended up with blood, but it's still blood. And and Elle ends up something with something dumped on her in a public place. Yeah yep she yep so this person wow warrior links thumbs up love that that's kind of amazing yeah all right let's get to our forgotten thoughts because somehow there are more of these and also i'm sure there are more that we still forgot so yes they're just forever forgotten thoughts the only one that i had and i really wanted to mention it at the end of e pluribus unum and i didn't say it the closing scene of billy speaking to l and all of the flayed marching toward their deaths is the climax of season three yeah and i wanted to think about what were the climaxes of the other seasons hmm. i think season two would be when will six the demodogs on the soldiers in mm. the hub right that's kind of when it all like starts it mounts i feel like for season one i feel like it doesn't happen till quite a bit later in the season maybe when the hawkins lab people show up at the school or is mm. that too late would you season, say that? That's a weird one. I don't know why, but season one for me either feels like the discovery of Will's body in the quarry or Joyce destroying her house mm. with the run. Mm -hmm. Either of those feel like it for season one for me. Okay. I just, I wanted to spitball those because. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of fun. Okay. And here's some of my forgotten thoughts. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just remembered this out of nowhere that I, I forgot to mention it in the Battle of Starcourt. But poor Jonathan, at the end of Battle of Starcourt, Joyce is out there hugging Will, not hugging Elle, who is crying in the rain all by herself. And then she doesn't even ask about where Jonathan is. <laughs> she never even looks for him. The the other the person who has essentially co-parented. Yeah. Yeah. Never even looks for him. Poor Jonathan. I know. So I, I also just wanted to talk about the, the caves in Hopper's letter because I had a thought while I was editing Battle of Starcourt and listening to Hopper's letter many, many times. And I thought about how caves are also specifically referenced at the end of season one. So we have this whole little dialogue at the end of season one where Dustin is saying that the campaign doesn't make any sense because what about the lost knight? And Lucas says, and the proud princess. And Will says, and those weird flowers in the cave. And as we know, flowers are often associated with our Demogorgons. Because mm. that's what they look like. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that that was a really interesting connection. And then Marina also made the connection that we get that weird scene of Brenner giving Elle a plant when she's living in the lab, which is essentially a cave because there's no windows in there. Yeah, and it means you're out of that cave. Yes. And literal little purple flowers Brenner gives Elle. Yeah, that's right. Weird flowers in the cave. Yeah, so I just thought that was really, really wild. Um, and I just needed to mention that. I don't know what it means or if there's any connection at all, but I just thought there it was is. cool. There is. There has to be, there, right? There always is. 
And then finally, this is a completely unconnected thought. <laughs> I love it. It's the best but thought. We've been talking for this whole podcast. It's come up many times about how demogorgons and demodogs and other upside down creatures make fog. And we yeah. cannot figure out what that is about. And I think I might have come up with a solution. I think that demogorgons might be making fog because of condensation. They are freezing cold. Science. Right? So they come to like a room temperature, something that we would consider comfortable room of like, what, 72 degrees, and they're freezing. You would think they might make a little bit of condensation. Yeah. It's like when you take something out of the freezer and maybe like it's winter and the heat is on. It makes That means that they're wet. Yeah. They do look wet. Yeah, that means that they're moist. I hate that. So yeah, that's all. Just thought I would mention that. I have no idea if that's real or not, but it's a possible explanation <laughs> that I thought I would mention. Demogorgons make <laughs> condensation. The end. <laughs> Love. All right. As always, to wrap up the wrap up, we are going to do season three score standouts, which I will now rattle off. Hooray. Boys and girls, obviously, because it's season three's kids. Very mm-hmm. important. Obviously, Starcourt. If we could have used this as our intro music without being sued, we would have. <laughs> That's but right. But alas, we could not. The ceiling is beautiful. The first I love you, of course. It's the first lie, but season three-ified. Mm. We can't not mention rats. So squelchy. You can't talk about season three and not mention rats, just like in general. Find the Source is mysterious and has some very bouncy synth noises. And it also sounds a little bit like Soldiers from season two in Moments, which is the song that plays when they are assembling the school bus in the junkyard in season two. They're getting all their rolling the barrels and Steve is helping them. Mm -hmm. The Silver Cat Feeds. I'm pretty sure is this. I can hear it. I'm pretty sure it's the song that plays as Robin is piecing together the code. Yes. Destroying the castle actually reminds me a little bit of The Return, which is the song that plays when Elle comes back from Chicago and shows up at the buyer's house at the end of The Mind Flayer, which is an interesting choice. Yeah. Right? Portal Drill gets very season four at like a minute in. Oh, yeah. Ruins sounds like a Britney Spears bass line uh, starting at 43 seconds. <laughs> Planks constant, obviously. Of course. I feel like the trees are moving is this season's The Upside Down. Mm, yeah, it is used quite a lot, especially when we see our boy. Yeah, especially when the trees are moving. Not Chinese food. <laughs> so bizarre that they use that in the not the American scene, but... (laughs) Oh, God. But when the synth kicks in around 55 seconds, just skip. Blueprints is a sneaky little bop. We love Blueprints. It's playing when Dustin and Erica and Murray are communicating, I believe, over the supercom when Murray's crawling around the vents. Yes, yes. Scoops Troop. Do you copy? Scoops Troop. Ahoy, ladies. (laughs) Ahoy, Um, ladies. (laughs) And last, but never least... Aftermath is the song. It's the last song on the score. It is the song that plays as the mind flayer collapses. The helicopters fly in, and we see Ellen, Will, and Joyce in the parking lot in the rain. And as we said, yes, it is sadder than eulogy. Very sad. V sad. Wow. 
Oh, no. And on that sad note... <laughs> we're done with season three, everyone. We are. Gone, but never forgotten. Aww. <laughs> wow. What's the plans? What are we doing next, Marina? Okay, so the plan is that we're taking two weeks off from posting, as we tend to do between our seasons. Yes. So that means, so you all can be mindful, hold on, there will be no new episode on September 27th or October 4th. Our season four overview will be live on Wednesday, October 11th. So two weeks off and then back on the 11th of October for our season four overview. Yay! Wow. Wild. I cannot believe we're making it to season four. Here we are. I know. I know. Okay. And we'll talk all about our plans for season four in the season four overview. Yes. We will explain how that's going to (laughs) go. Okay. All right, everybody. Till next time. Bye, season three. Hi, daddy. No. (laughs) Stay straight. Clients of swine. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Stay straight. To keep in touch and stay informed, join us on our Starcourt Study Hall Discord server and follow us on Instagram at Starcourt Study Hall.